about music history. On August 1st, 1981, MTV came on the air. Music television, a concept that was new to all of us. And the DJ that introduced everything, or should I say VJ, video jockey, was none other than Mr. Mark Goodman. Mark had just come over from New York um, rock station WPLJ and joined MTV and you know, the rest is music history. Uh, he has an outstanding encyclopedic knowledge of rock and roll history. He was on the air the night John Lennon was killed. He has an outstanding acting career as well. He is now currently the host on Debatable and Sirius XM's volume channel, where he just um, talks about music uh, in a way that no other show on radio, satellite radio, TV, or wherever you can find. It's just outstanding, outstanding coverage of everything, uh, from Little Richard's death to the future of rock and roll and in between. We are super, super happy to welcome Mark today. I've met him a couple times. He is always just a cool, cool cat. And uh, we talk great stuff in this podcast. Uh, really happy about this one. So I hope you all enjoy Mark Goodman on the J-Rod Concerts podcast. <laughs> I got you. Awesome. Mark, how you doing, man? We're holding on, hanging in. Great, great to see you, Mark. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, sure. How are you doing? How's doing, life down there? Doing great, you know, starting to get humid. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's no, there's no cool Faena shows going on. I'll tell you that much. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, very appreciative of your time. Sure. Uh, you know, normally you're the one doing the questions. The, the, one, of, one, of, one of the best, one of the top 10, one of the goats. But, you know, for a little bit today, let me ask some of you. Please. That's all right. Awesome. So, you know, first of all, Mark, how have the past two plus months been for you, you know, in New York and with your family, friends? How, how have they been for you? Uh, bizarre, I guess. <laughs> that's that's how, how it's been. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that um, – no one in my circle of friends and, and no one in my, my family, you know, my daughter or my sister, no, no one has gotten sick. So for that, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm happy about that. But it's been, you know, I, before the, the really hard lockdown began in New York, I was on the 80s cruise. Oh, my God. Right. People thought I was insane. They were like, you're, you're going? Uh, and we got back uh, into Miami uh, on the... 17th of March. Oh, wow. Uh, he pushed it. Um, yeah, we, it was a, a seven day cruise. And every, believe me, you know, on the, the 5th and the 4th of March, all of my friends and people at work were like, You're going on a cruise? What's the matter with you? Um, it, it turned out to be fine. Uh, I didn't get sick. And um, none of the people that I was hanging out with, the artists, you know, Terry Nunn or uh, Martha Davis, you know, uh, all of these people, no one uh, of the performers got sick. So uh, it, it's been oh, all right, <laughs> all things considered. 
Yeah, um, absolutely, Mark. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I want to, I want to get to, to debatable and, and what you're current do, doing now and all yeah. that stuff, but, but I'd like to start, you know, really quickly with some of your background, of course. Um, okay. You know, how did you first fall in love with music, Mark? Because you started so young. You were, you know, music director at WMMR in Philly in 1978. But like, how, like, what was your first memories of falling in love with music? It was in my family. Um, we, well, I grew up with a, a hi-fi. My parents had a hi-fi back when that was furniture. And, um, you know, my, my parents were into jazz vocalists, you know, Sarah Vaughn, Dinah Washington, Sinatra, of course, was was huge in our house, um, and that was the stuff that just always was always on. You know, we had music on through dinner, and um, you know, on the weekends we would have you know our family come over to the house. We had a pool in our backyard when I was a kid, and um, there was always music. And I tried being a musician, and I realized that I'm too freaking lazy to be a musician. <laughs> It was like, oh, I, I didn't want to play. I didn't want to learn to play the drums. I just wanted to play the drums. Right. You just wanted the, the fun. Yeah. Right. I got you. <laughs> so, um, you know, once I realized that I was not destined to be a musician, and that was fairly early on, radio was kind of the next thing for me because I wanted to do something with music. I didn't know exactly what, but it seemed like, yeah, talking on the radio and turning people on to new music, that was something that I loved. So that was sort of the next logical step for me. That's, that's great. You know, well, obviously mission accomplished and your, your focus started showing because the results started coming in early. In 1980, you moved to New York, mm. right? You moved to New York and, um, and then you moved to the classic rock station, the, the, the biggest one in New York. Wanted to talk to you about a historical night. I'm sure you've talked about this a hundred thousand times, but the night John Lennon was killed. Oh man. You, you were on the air, right? I was. How, I how, was, how was that? You know, it, in addition to what everyone around the world was feeling uh, on that night, for me, it was uh, more personal. I um, was literally living right next door to the Dakota. I mean, I could look out of my window of my apartment and I could see down into what I imagined would look like the white room in John Lennon's apartment in the Dakota. Um, And it's, you know, I grew up with the Beatles and, the, the way that it went down for me was odd because um, it was Monday night football. It was Jim Morrison's birthday. Mm. And we, you know, for birthdays, we always did a, like a block of songs from the artist. And the first, I started to first get calls from listeners. Hey, did you hear something? You know, John Lennon was shot. Did you hear anything about that? I hadn't. Uh, it was Monday night football, Howard Cosell was covering the game and he made mention on the air of some sort of a report. I ran around the corner to the AM station. I was working at PLJ, the FM station for ABC in New York. And I ran ran around the corner to WABC and talked to their guys. And as I was getting going to get the information, the story came across on the wire. And uh, the guy, you know, said, you know, we don't really have any of the details yet. We just know that he was shot. Um, and you know, within 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we heard that he was dead. And, um, that is probably, uh, that is definitely the second time ever on the air that I cried. Um, I started to play Beatles music and and John Lennon music. And, you know, I don't even remember what I said. Somebody actually sent me a tape of it years later. 
uh, they had taped it off the radio, but um, to, to do that. Wow. And it was, it was, I started on the air at 10, at 10 PM and by 11 15, it, it, it had happened and the news was out and I was into, you know, doing this, playing the, the Beatles music and trying to come to terms and taking phone calls and, uh, and all of that. And I really, and then I get off the air at 2 AM and I go home and there's, you know, my street is 72nd street is blocked off. There is a massive crowd in front of the Dakota. Wow. Um, they're checking ID for people to get onto the block. Um, but in that short amount of time, there was, I don't know, there had to be 500 people in front of the Dakota, just gathered in a crowd in front of these giant gates. There was flowers already and there were people were singing Beatles songs and they, they happened to be, as I noted as I was heading into my apartment building, that they were listening to PLJ, the station that I was on. So I was hoping they were listening to me before I got there. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, one of, it was the, the saddest, one of the saddest nights of my life. Sure. To, to be thrust into that, to actually have the, the fortune to be on the air when that happened. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you talk about it now, it has so much emotion it obviously yeah. played such a big part in everyone's life and you were like a start like starring planetary role in that story so wow yeah the universe <laughs> just placed me there <laughs> that could be a movie by the way I guess like, so. just yeah. like you know the dj <laughs> but yeah thank you so much uh, for, for that story mark so i want to move on a little bit to mtv um obviously beautiful new fresh concept changed the world but you know it was also risky uh, it was unproven um, in fact, I believe that uh, you and, and your colleagues were, were told to like, not, don't quit your day job kind of thing, like, because <laughs> we don't know how this is going to pan out. Uh, how did MTV approach you? Like, and, and what gut feeling did you know? They didn't approach me. Oh, they didn't approach me. There you go. <laughs> I was nobody. I was just, you know, I was a DJ on the rock station in New York. <laughs> so how was uh, that? But they, um, they, I heard about it from a friend of mine in Philadelphia um, who was involved with a, a television station. I was going to do something in Philly on TV. In fact, I was going to host once a week an hour-long video music show that my radio station was going to simulcast. Uh, this is in 79. Um, wow. But this, this friend of mine called me and, and said, yeah, there's this company, uh, it's Warner, Warner, uh, Warner Music and, and American Express. And I don't know, they're doing some 24-hour video thing. You may want to check it out. So I called this guy that we both knew and, and got a, a meeting. And I went over to the, uh, it was at the time, the Sheridan Hotel on 7th Avenue. And um, it's, it was like, kind of like, okay, I have a meeting with some guy in this random hotel room. <laughs> and I literally, it was like, this is like auditioning for a porno movie or something. It was really Me too. Me too. Ahead of its time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I went up and my friend was there, but it was like a stupid, a regular hotel room. And he had like, he had moved uh, one of the uh, sort of the night nightstands around to be like a desk. And, and I was one of the people who were coming in to sort of interview for the job. And, and from that, I got, uh, got a couple of auditions and uh, you know, the rest is rock history. I lucked out. <laughs> 
the rest is rock history, Mark, indeed. And, uh, you know, just a little bit more about MTV. That first day shooting, um, obviously, it's now legendary. Starting right now, you'll never look at music the same way again. Your quotes are embedded into music history. What was that first day like? Were you guys nervous? I know you mentioned Sue Steinberg hitting her with champagne. Yeah. <laughs> Who I'm still friends with. She changed my life. She was the executive producer at MTV when we launched August 1st. And by October 1st, she was gone. Um, so it's, it's weird, but we're still great friends today. The, the first day that you saw that everyone saw actually happened two days before mm. everything was pre-recorded. So, uh, it was, you know, the, the whole, and we were actually, we had been sort of rehearsing and, and, uh, doing some interviews and things in advance. We were run, doing run throughs for probably six weeks, eight weeks before we launched. So. Um, I had a, you know, I had never done television before, so I sort of was starting to get a sense of it. And I, I look at those first hours of MTV, and you know, me sort of kicking things off, and it's just like, <laughs> I just look like a statue or something. I feel like caught in the headlights. You think so? Because I, I was, you know, every time I look at those tapes, I see something new. It's like a layered, like Steinbeck novel. Today, in the research, when I was watching it, I noticed your yoga poses. You were really like, you know, you were on it with your posture and like crazy. Like, how do you, do you gotta be kidding me, dude. <laughs> I have tried to do yoga. I can't do yoga. We, you know, the thing is uh, that we, it was a weird sort of concept. You know, here I am sitting on a set. Uh, that's supposed to look like, I don't know what, like somebody's basement or a den. We didn't even know. And for the first few months, I mean, we were like, well, how, how are we online? You know, there was no, there was no VJs before us. There was no, it's so sort of commonplace now to see young people doing interviews and talking about music and, and this kind of thing. That didn't really exist. So we literally were figuring out what a VJ was like. What, yeah. what, what did we do? What, how did we do it? So um, it was that kind of, uh, of an experience of, of literally trying to figure it out. And we were like the way that I sat, it was like, don't sit like a regular person with both feet on the floor and, you know, like an, in an armchair because it's rock and roll, you know? We, so we got, we're sitting with our legs up or we're like laying down, you know, Alan Hunter was, was sort of notorious for, for doing all kinds of weird stuff on, on the set. Um, so we were just trying to, to figure it out. And uh, the, that we, we did run that first day. My, my show was the first show that, that aired when MTV launched. And um, we, we did a lot of running through before we actually put that down. And, and I just sort of, they had a script for me, which I just completely went off. There was nothing about Sue Steinberg in there or, or any of that stuff. But that was our catchphrase. You'll never look at music the same way again. Yeah. In so, stereo. So in stereo, <laughs> don't forget the stereo there. Yeah, uh, that's great, Mark. Okay, um, don't want to take too much of your time. Want to segue? No, really no worries, Jamie. It's all good. Thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, want to segue a little bit into you know today what what's recently happening? You recently devoted um, a full episode, uh, a very good episode on debatable on SiriusXM, which is by the way a fantastic. If you have SiriusXM volume channel and you're a music nut, like that's yeah. the place to go. Like you don't need so. to go anywhere else. You devoted a long time to Little Richard who just passed. Yeah. So obviously you had a lot of great guests and you went in really in depth, but you know, uh, without going into, the, into that much depth, obviously what did Little Richard mean to you and what does his death mean for rock and roll? He, I, I mean, in terms of his heyday, I'm a little bit young, but um, I did get a chance to meet him a, a couple of times while I was at MTV. And 
I was like, like so many people, I was introduced to him by the Beatles, the Beatles covering little Richard, you know, long Beatles doing long tall Sally and, you know, hearing other artists do little Richard. He, it, that, you know, look, we've obviously lost some pretty major people over these last bunch of years. You know, if we talk about Prince, or you talk about Glenn Fry or Bowie, um, Tom Petty, Tom Petty. Oh, just, yeah. Uh, like through the heart and, and little Richard um, in the times that I met him, he was really, uh, he, he was a humble guy, but he had a big personality and he knew that he was the guy he was, you know, people were calling him the architect. Uh, the spirit of rock and roll was that guy. Um, he, he was recording and he was putting out songs like three years before Elvis Presley even went into the studio. So he was really a founding father to me. He is the guy who, and there's a, you know, the longtime rivalry between him and Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, who's the, yeah, who started rock the and roll. Little Richard for me is he was the guy. And um, I, I interviewed him. One of the times that I interviewed him was when uh, Purple Rain premiered. He was at the party. In fact, my co-host on, on Debatable, Alan Light, sent me a clip from, I hosted the Purple Rain premiere party for MTV, and he was one of the people that, that I interviewed. And um, I remember that he's, I was asking him, so what do you think about Prince? And he, he was like, well, Prince is me in this generation. <laughs> and we were all like cracking up about it at the time, but he was right. Yeah. <laughs> Prince does not happen without Little Richard. And there's so many other artists that do not happen without Little Richard. And it's, it's kind of the end of an era. We talk often on the show about you, you have to get out and see these people because they're, they're dying on us. You've you got to get out there while you can. Obviously, we're blocked right now from all of this. Um, but we'll get back to it. Concerts will start to happen again. And these are people who are, they're leaving us. And it, that because of that, um, it's important that we remember these guys. 100% Mark. And I want to elaborate a little bit on that because you mentioned, you know, Glenn Fry, Tom Petty, just one after another. It seems like it's more oh. hurtful every time on a human level. Like, how do you feel when um, all these people who, who've meant so much to you, meant so much to me, meant so much to the world, they really are, you know, uh, passing like, like, yeah, like yeah. how does this make you feel? Like, do you think that rock and roll maybe is in danger and extinction uh, what are your feelings with all this? Uh, in terms of the, the icons that we've lost just over the last few years, um, it, it, I mean, Prince in particular, was he was one of these, it was a fan thing. I was a major, major fan and had been with him since his first record and, and saw him in concert and stuff. Um, but I feel like pieces of history are, are passing. And that's kind of almost impersonal, but... The reason that I'm doing what I'm doing is because music is, is personal to me. And the reason that I, uh, and I think everybody, the reason that you resonate with an artist is because there is something, it's a soul-to-soul -soul connection for me. And, and I, it's a spiritual thing. And so when these people go, um, you know, Tom Petty was out of the blue. And I had seen him, you know, a month before. He, was, he wrapped up his tour and... and and I've, I've, I've spent time with him. I've interviewed yeah. him. I, you know, it's, a, it's personal. It's, it's like somebody who you, who you revered leaving you. And who, <laughs> it's, 
hard to talk about. I, I you know, Petty and Prince in particular were, were just massive, massive losses for me. Yes. Yeah. P- Petty, Petty for me personally, I was driving on, on the highway and I had to pull over. It was yeah. just hard. And I think you're, you, and I think you saw him in the 40th anniversary tour, which I, I mm-hmm. also had the chance to see him. Well, it was the only time I saw him and uh, I, I noticed he couldn't really move. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about that when we, we saw him, I wasn't really thinking about it. I mean, he look, he's not a guy. He doesn't boogie down on stage <laughs> right? or anything. So I wasn't really thinking about it. But then I went back and I, I looked at some footage uh, and saw, yeah, he, he was having trouble walking. Trouble. Yeah. And then everything came out and you wish he would have just canceled the tour, taking care of himself yeah. if he's hip, what's needed surgery or whatever. But yeah. Nah. Hey, look, the same thing with Prince. You know, his, his final days, he was in massive pain. You know, he had jumped too many times jumping off that piano in high heels. I mean, he's, yeah. it was, and it, you could, he didn't, he knew what was going on. So he didn't jump around, you know, in those last dates. I'm sure you've seen, you know, the piano and a microphone tour. He was, he was pretty much down on the, on the piano bench in front of the mic. But he, you know, massive, massive pain. We lost, basically, we lost these, these guys the same way, really. Yeah, no, it, it really is a shame, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a believer that rock and roll will carry on, even though right now maybe it's not in vogue or whatever with mm. the young generation. But there's something about just seeing people, seeing the people's effort. I feel like that's like on a human level, just seeing the people's effort, you know. Uh, nothing against electronic music. I'm sure the effort's behind the scenes or whatever. Mm. But just seeing the John Fogarty go out there and sweat, you know, <laughs> sweat his face off, something about that just has to come back. Well, I think it, it's, it isn't gone, like you say. Uh, it's rock and roll has just moved in terms of its influence. It's still very much there. And who knows, man, with, with this thing, you know, this pandemic being what it is, who knows that what music is going to be like yeah. uh, after this? I think all the artists that, that we have spoken to have been really affected by this and have come to realize, you know, it's, it's been a cause for realization for them for a lot of things, gratitude and, Yes. Um, you know, creation. And we, we talk with Lucinda Williams, who uh, really has, um, she's been isolated and, and what it means to her and that the music that she comes up with. But, I, you know, rock and roll is, is just not as influential as it was. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to be a, again. And especially because there's so much great rock and roll music coming out. Yeah. There's a ton of it out there. There's, there is a lot of great music being made. You know, right now we're in a phase where pop music is is ruling ruling everything, ruling the charts. And when I was growing up, you know, I grew up in the '60s. It was the same thing. It, yeah. was, it was AM radio. It was pop. You know, we don't have AM radio anymore, but it's it was the pop hits. So uh, I think that there's there more and more artists who are rock rock artists, and and by the way, that includes current country artists as well. People like Butch Walker or Jason Isbell. Yes. And those guys, they're, they're came out of country, but man, they're playing amazing rock and roll. Butch Walker's record is one of my favorite records of the year. It's amazing. So <laughs> it's going to, I believe in, in the power of it. I believe in the artists who make it, that there is a connection that we each make on our own with it. And I think that's important. And so that I don't think will ever be lost. That's a 
great place to leave it, Mark. Just one more question and I'll let sure. you go. Um, you, you know, you, you, in your show, you're always giving the best um, musical, you know, like Butch Walker, even though he's pretty known now, but you're always giving people gems. I remember last year you gave us a Noembe, a German recording artist. Oh. You just, <laughs> I don't think you could pronounce it, but like you just threw it out there. Yeah. Um, and upon further research, the guy's amazing, right? So I'm wondering what are, what's on Mark Goodman's quarantine 2020 you know, most listened to playlist. Oh, man. Well, see, see, that's, we were just talking about this on, on our show the other day. Um, this, this quarantine thing does weird things to, to people musically and affects people differently. For me, I've been going back. Um, I had to buy a whole new stereo system recently, including a new turntable. And I've been going back to listen to music that I haven't listened to in 30 years and seeing if it holds up. You know, it's sort of like a little exercise on the weekend. So, I mean, I've been going back to, to old Jackson Brown stuff. I, I, I'm from Philadelphia, where in the 70s, prog rock was huge. And, okay, I liked some of it. <laughs> um, so I've been going back to, like, old Genesis records uh, and old prog rock bands to see what they're like. So, um, and, and trying to do music that is uplifting, that is, that is positive. Um, that the Butch Walker record is top of mind just because I've, it came out last week and I've been playing it nonstop. I just mm. love it so much. Dua Lipa. I love yeah. Dua Lipa. Her <laughs> album, her current album, which she dropped just as this whole thing was going down. Amazing. Amazing. She's so cool. But I like, um, like Angel Olsen just put out some new music. Her record is, is really good. And I've been listening to that at home. Um, Head in the Heart. I love that. Dropped heart. some new music as well. And tomorrow... Coming out on Friday, finally, is the new one from the 1975, who was another band that I really love. And I don't, I can't characterize them. I don't know what the hell they do. Every song they do is different. Different, uh, yeah. Finally, we're going to get this album, Notes on a Conditional Form, that we've been waiting for. They kept on pushing it back and pushing it back. And finally, we're going to get that tomorrow. Uh, although we we got like five, six songs from the album already. So those are the things that, that I've been been listening to i go back really old or brand brand new perfect perfect mark yeah now i've interviewed a couple you know mid-level indie bands like tennis and so forth and yeah they've, they've recommended a couple uh, a really nice artist i'm sure you know her soccer mommy oh my god love her it's She's like amazing 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 yeah. <laughs> where did this come from so so there's definitely some good stuff out there mark oh man i could talk to you for for months weeks years thank you oh, so we'll much do it again oh man that was fun thank you and listen, continue to stay safe, continued success. Thank you for, uh, just thank you for throwing your, your passion and your knowledge into, into the airwaves. They're very, very well received by the universe in these times, Mark. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll see you at the Fiena Theater. Crossing fingers, hopefully. Take All care, right. Mark. Take care. Take care, Jamie. Good to talk to you. Stay you safe. Bye-bye.